Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of We Are the Batman. I got my boy Mike here. Say what's up. What, what's up? <laughs> and I'm Matt. You guys want to call me? And today we're doing something, uh, something kind of fun because every so often I get to introduce somebody to a book or a comic or a movie, and it's always a just cool as hell when you're able to do that. And that book is what, Mike. That is Batman the Cult. Yes. From, oh, what, 87, 88? I, I, I uh, think it's around that time. I forgot to look at what date. 1988. 1988. 1988. So this is kind of, if you don't mind me doing a little bit of history. What, Please. As far as from my memory is like, this is when like Batman the Dark Knight Returns has just happened. Batman Year One has just happened. Um, the, the more mature graphic novels are kind of becoming a thing. And this is one of those that comes kind of at the tail end of that before you get into the 90s and a graphic novel disappears for a while. Yeah, this is one that I had not read until you introduced it to me not too long ago. You were like, dude, you really need to look at this. And looking at the... Uh, the cover alone, just, you know, Batman's hand on a bloody uh, 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 manhole cover. It's like, um, you know, you're in for something a little bit different. And even just the title, The Cult, lets you know, again, being in the time where this is coming out with, you know, The Dark Knight Returns and all that, you know, you're going to be in for something darker, heavier, and a little more messed up. Yeah, and, and the big thing, too, is, like, it's kind of interesting because this is the time when the Batman comic, like, it has ever so often some four or five issue connective stories. But something like this or Dark Knight Returns, they're their own separate comic. Yeah. Like, a completely side comic. But it's not its own. It's not like an Elseworlds thing where, like, nowadays it seems like every other Batman's miniseries is an Elseworlds of a different Elseworlds and you don't know what's happening. Right. But this was like just an extended story. But like year one, year two, year three, they're just part of the actual physical Batman comic series. Um, so there's, because of that, they're what's called a prestige comic. So they get a little adult. Mm -hmm. And this one definitely, I mean, it's a little kind of bland as far as that pushing that envelope nowadays. But in 88, you did not have a religious cult leader as a villain in a comic you didn't have you know people being murdered viciously i might add in a comic um so that that was something that definitely surprised me about this book but i was also similar to you like attracted by the covers well also in this time you didn't have your hero falling quite like batman does in this i mean i mean batman you know has a fall from grace for for a period where i mean he's brainwashed he is taken in by this cult and he is trying to find his way out of it but yeah you, you, the, around this time and you know and we we talked briefly in another episode about the things that denny o'neill and, and neil adams were bringing to comics and, to, and having them be taken a bit more seriously and this is definitely a a product of that that idea of touching on darker more adult more um sensitivity testing themes in your comic books as as much as you could 
Well, and it's also even creepier in, in my opinion of like, you know, this is before David Koresh, but there still had been a lot of cults out there. So, you know, I feel like we should probably get a little bit into what the story is actually about. So that I can kind of explain this is that you have this cult leader who essentially sets himself up as a homeless shelter. And through that homeless shelter, makes himself the leader of the homeless. So this down and trodden group of people that every city has, he suddenly builds into an army and he does it under the radar because it just looks like any soup kitchen or homeless shelter. So you just have this moment of like, once you get these, this, you know, that kind of group of people together and you get them all thinking the same and whether it's through drugs or just through their own um, insecurities about life or PTSD or whatever it is, suddenly you have an army that is easily has nothing to lose because they, they, you know, they feel like they're nothing and he can just manipulate them any way he wants. And that, that, that idea that they have nothing to lose is, is what does it. That's how you get so many people in this state on this side is because they are, it's a group of people that have, uh, been on the wrong side of things they've felt they've felt the boot heel of the world a few too many times and on top of having nothing to lose they also feel like they have everything to gain and so yes it it makes all the sense in the world that they would uh fall privy to which by the way we're talking about deacon blackfire who is the who is the leader of this cult um anybody who hasn't read this might know his character from uh, the Batman Arkham Knight video game in a very short piece uh, side mission piece that is an absolute waste of time and does no justice uh, to this character whatsoever. Um, it, there was potential there, but they completely squandered it. But that being said, um, yeah, it's Deacon Blackfire and you completely understand how he's able to just prey on this hopelessness and provide when you offer hope to those that have none, they're, they're going to, you're going to have them hook, line, and sinker. Well, and I even I would even dare say that the premise of this book would make its own amazing Arkham game kind of style. I mean, I don't know if you'd call it Arkham the Cult or whatever, but I mean, just having the navigating of all of these things, I think would be amazing in a game format, but I digress. We're talking about the comic. <laughs> Well, and it's I think I think it's worth I think it's worth mentioning too that that part of this storyline is also what acted as an inspiration to Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight Rises. Is you can draw very distinct uh, uh, parallels between what happens with uh, Bane and his team of the League of Shadows taking over Gotham the way they do. You know, the whole "we're giving Gotham back to you, the people" kind of thing. Um, with Batman being a wall for time. I mean, there's a absolute direct correlation there. Um, if, and maybe, maybe it was a happy accident. Maybe that was actually part of what Christopher Nolan took as inspiration. Either way, you can definitely draw the parallels there. Yeah. Because I mean, it's, it is also that weird, like the place no one's going to go, you know, are the cops really going to go into the sewer to try and find a bunch of people, the homeless people being gone, does anybody really care or notice? And, they de- and the thing of, with that situation is by the time you realize something's wrong, it's too late. Yeah. And it's, it's just, it's such a. Um, so, and then of course, like, go ahead. 
No, sorry. It says you, you, you froze there for a second. I thought you were done. Um, it's just, it's a kind of getting back to like what I was saying earlier was like when you take, it's not every day we get to see Batman in this state of hopelessness that he is in this one. It's not every day we get to see Batman in a, with a sense of vulnerability uh and and just again feeling that we've seen batman question himself and what he's doing and whether or not what he's doing is working but to see him um completely just give up like this is not something and and of course we find out later on it was you know he was drugged and 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 things like that but still like to see to see uh because i think denny o'neill was one of the people writing on this one um uh, i know he worked on it but uh to see just this idea that um, even someone as as uh, grounded and uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Just uh, just kind of who who usually has his bearings about him, uh, like Batman could be could fall like this. Yeah, because I mean the, the the thing of it is is this is where I can remember reading this because I I read it probably within a year after it came out. The graphic novel uncharacteristically was released relatively fast after the book series was over. And the big thing I like what shocked me is, you know, it's one thing to gather homeless people, but the fact that you are able to get somebody as powerful or as able as Batman on your team. Now there's like, I would say there's no stopping you, but you've got the ultimate fighter, the ultimate weapon in your cult. Like you just have to unleash him and let him do his thing um that's where i kind of go like man that's just nuts to think that and they just treat them like crap anyway it's not like they treat them any differently but i would just uh, yeah i kind of crack up at like man you you guys had somebody who could really do some damage and you just put them in the rest of the flock (laughs) well it does it does seem like at one point they they never confirm what his involvement was but there's a couple of times where he kind of comes out of it after they had just gotten done raiding someplace or attacking someplace or whatever. And Batman kind of questions himself like, Oh God, like what role did I play in this? It's, it's never made clear. So there is an implication that Batman may have done some harm while under, under their influence. Oh yeah. He killed somebody. (laughs) (laughs) There there's one of the, the moments where you're just like, no, no, he, he killed that guy. Now, did he, like, did that guy instantly die and somebody else step in and finish the job? Who knows? But, I mean, he was swinging the axe with everybody else. Now, in his mind, it was Joker, but, you know, he, he was definitely, he's definitely responsible for, for, for a few, not quite the Batfleck level of deaths, but... <laughs> <laughs> he definitely uh i think he definitely killed a couple people and i think that again is just it just speaks to that idea that we were mentioning earlier that those things that denny o'neill um and, and and comic writers in general in this time were were looking to implement was was the idea that even even your greatest heroes can uh can take a left turn um you know we, we saw that in in the dark knight returns and we would see that that's a theme that we would continue to see up up to modern day, where you see things like like the injustice storyline, or 
um, you know, the the idea that the idea is introduced in 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 the Killing Joke. You know that it just takes one one bad day, and and this was you know we all think that you know there was one bad day and that's what made Bruce Wayne turn into Batman. But then Batman himself had one bad day and it turned him into a cult member for an extended period of time that almost resulted in all of Gotham being completely just turned into a wasteland. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it's definitely a, a harrowing story. It's, it's definitely, it's to me, like they call him Deacon Blackfire, but there's not really a lining up exactly of what religion he is a part of. But so that's where part of me goes like, could you do this now? Could you tell this as a graph, as a story, as a movie, as a direct to DVD or translate a game or with the, you know, the, the Christian slash religious community suddenly go like, whoa, 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 why are we the villains? You know what I mean? Yeah, that's that's the fear that I would have in the idea of um, if they were to, like, like, could I could I see Robert Pattinson's Batman dealing with a Deacon Blackfire like this? hundred percent. I absolutely could. I don't see that particular storyline sitting well with audiences especially with kind of the way things are these days with with the way how reactionary people tend to be um if you put any kind of religious zealot as the whoever the whoever the villain's going to be anybody who subscribes to that particular to that particular religion at large is is going to have a big problem with it we see that all the time anytime there's a movie that depicts anyone of a of an Islamic religion or of the Jewish of, of any faith as, as a villain, we see it happen. And Lord knows that there are far more vocal members of, of various Christian faiths out there who would take him in. And, and we, li, you know, we live in the United States and it's, you know, that tends to be kind of the majority. And so there, there would definitely be uh, a large, especially if you look at the new 52, because when Deacon Blackfire was reintroduced in the new 52, he was a Christian, a Christian evangelist. He was very much a Christian evangelist. And even in this version of Deacon Blackfire, he wears the, the black, the black top with the, with the white collar of any Catholic or Christian pre, uh, priest you would see. So it would be, it would be, be I, they'd be very hard pressed. I'm not saying it couldn't be done, but it would be very difficult to, adapt this storyline or this character specifically to anything in a film without drawing it just I, I just i can already see just all this all the studio people looking at this going like this is going to piss off too many people um which is why i think you get well, and you, you, dark knight rises where it's same storyline but let's go with bane and the league of shadows because then there's no religious pull to it it's purely a you know criminal organization well, and you also get into like there is a supernatural element to him. Like there is hints throughout the story that he not not that he's immortal, but that he's he's been around a while. So hundred years, I think. Is could you? Yeah. So could you play with the idea that you know this is just his current you know method of trying to take over Gotham more so than he's actually a priest? doing this thing and would that maybe allow you to skirt you know quote-unquote persecution from the religious community because it's not technically just some evil priest yeah but at that point then i say you just wind up doing Rosal ghoul again 
you're yeah. reasonable. You, yeah. you, which again, I mean, there's a lot of similarities in the way they work. The, the, the difference is like Deacon Blackfire is straight up drugging and brainwashing people. Rachel Ghoul is offering people, you know, des- people who are desperate uh, a, a, yeah. a way to to basically get revenge, basically who are people who are seeking vengeance or some, some uh, ill-fated form of justice. But yeah, if you're going to, if you're going to remove the religious aspect or alter the religious aspect to make it tamer at that point, it's like, well, then just do racial ghoul. And we've had three versions of racial ghoul in the last 10 years between uh, the Nolan verse, what they did on arrow and what they did on Gotham. I don't think anyone's necessarily jonesing for another take on racial goal right now. I think everyone's like, he's kind of, he's kind of like the Joker where it's like, okay, we we've had, we've had a lot of this recently. Can we try something a little bit different? Yeah, that's very true. But very true. the focus on the comic itself though, now that we've uh, sidetracked quite a little bit, it's all, I think it's also worth noting, like this is a, this is in, in the time where like they were still writing Jason, Jason Todd stories. And, um, you know, Jason Todd wasn't a widely popular uh, character, but um, in this one, he really kind of I think this is one of those moments where where they showed why Jason was, for the most part, a decent Rob. He wasn't the best Robin, but there was a reason why he was Robin. And I think this really showed. Yeah, you actually get to see him. And this is where, you know, we I think the, the first discussions of this story was it's really weird seeing a late teenager in the robin costume you know because yeah Yeah. and this is you know one of those weird storylines where like it almost could have just been dick grayson as well because he's in it but he's not it's not like his personality is such that you can lock down who he is besides the fact that you know batman says jason it calls him jason yeah but um but no, he's the one who actually saves Batman. He goes and finds him and pulls him out and, and gets him out of the situation. I mean, I think Batman's already getting away by the time he finds him. But yeah, he he's he's the one who's you know trying to to save him. So I yeah, I think it's it this is that weird thing of like Robin starts not being just the little kid sidekick who is the damsel in distress. Like Batman has to help him a couple times. But it's not out of like, oh, you're just a little kid and that's your story arc. Well, yeah, because because I mean, Jason's the one who gets him out. Like Jason's the yep. one who gets him out and gets his head right. Um, the only reason Batman has to help Jason at any point is because it's it's the two of them versus like 50. And it's like, OK, yeah, like that's too much for anybody. So getting to see Jason um, as an older teen, as as someone as a Robin that can hold his own finally. Um, but yeah. also, yeah, until, until he calls him Jason, you could assume this was Dick Grayson. I mean, it, it, it it's very, it's, it's simple. Um, so, and then to see how like he, when you get to the end of it, when they're like, we're going back into Gotham, we're like, we're retaking the city. And Jason's just like, yeah, no, let's do it. I'm in like, let's, let's make this happen. He's not, I don't know. We should, you know, like kind of the things you usually associate with Jason, kind of the whole, just like, look, man, like, you know, kind of, kind of that hopelessness again, like that idea of, of Jason just saying, screw it. Like we're in over, let's just, let's just move on. Um, there, you, you didn't have that. This was, this was a Jason who was 
more on Batman's side than I think we ever really got from Jason Todd a lot. Because a lot, a lot of times with Jason Todd, it always felt like they were either writing him with just throwaway uh, Dick Grayson dialogue, or he was, you know, confrontational to Batman. He he wasn't along for the ride as much as Dick Grayson was. So um, it was a, it was a, it was a neat take. Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed it. And then I think my favorite part of the book which is horrible because I'm a horrible human being is when he finally has their final confrontation and you just see Batman beat somebody down the way you've never seen him beat somebody down. Yeah. He, (laughs) because, because he, he made Batman vulnerable and Batman doesn't like to be vulnerable and it it was like like Blackfire was gonna get his ass kicked just for doing this to people, but Batman's like you did this to me, and like now I know firsthand how unpleasant this is. You are a fucking monster. Like I uh, you, I I think had he because I think Jason's the one that ends up kind of pulling him off of him because I think he was ready to just to just straight up kill uh, Blackfire. He was, he had Blackfire yeah. pushed him closer to the edge than Joker had at that point. Um, because if, if anything, Blackfire did the Batman, what Joker was never able to do, which is that he made him break. Yeah. So. Yeah. Without going nuts and killing other people, he just broke yeah. him in, and just, you know, had, had him on the team. It was, it was, crazy and a great moment of like nope usually i fight people stop them i'm just gonna try and hurt this guy and just like oh yeah batman does have that knowledge and look at him go (laughs) batman wanted him to feel some pain plain and simple yeah um so i want to say thank you for for getting me onto this one for for sending me the copies the the four issues of the four copies of this to read um i as soon as I started, I couldn't put it down. I mean, I I just flip, 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 flip. Um, I, sh- I want to shout out to uh, Bernie Wrightson who did the art for this. Um, the art the art is incredible, amazing, it's amazing artwork. Um, um, Jim Starlin did write it. Denny O'Neill was actually one of the editors along with Dan Rasper, um, and then uh, John Costanza and Bill Ray did the lettering and the coloring. Um, this is if you have not read. Batman the cult as a lifelong Batman fan who read this for the first time within the last like month like I cannot recommend this if you like your Batman dark and gritty and a little bit on the uh on the farther side of of being kind of a nut job like Batman kind of secretly is deep down um give this one a watch and or a read especially if you're someone who hated the Deacon Blackfire uh, uh side quest in Arkham Knight like I did uh, uh, give give this one a shot because you might find yourself with a character that's incredibly far more interesting than that game uh, made him out to be, other than just some religious zealot who kidnaps a reporter. Like, like it shows you how dangerous this guy actually can be and how just kind of terrifying he is. And yeah, I cannot recommend this enough. Same, same. It, it is it is the book that anytime somebody asks me what's your favorite graphic novel, it's this. And of course, I always follow. Have you read it? And it's surprising to me how few people have. It really is. Yeah, it's it's not one I'd ever heard of before, and that's I mean that that tells you something about about how 
how much of a lesser known run it is like it's because i read a lot of batman and this is one that i just never had never it never even crossed my table and so it's always nice to find out that the world of comics especially with batman is so vast that there's still things out there that can surprise you well and the other thing too what i i noticed is it's out of print like the graphic novel that i had that i read it hasn't been in print for decades it's like they made that original print run and they've never done it again. I couldn't, I couldn't find a graphic novel to send you for less than 60 bucks. That's it was insane. It was cheaper for me to buy the comics issues and send them to you than it was to try and find the graphic novel. <laughs> I wonder if like, cause like we mentioned how like, yeah, like this probably wouldn't, get a lot of love from people because of like the whole religious thing i wonder if that was a part of it like the decision to not keep it in print like i wonder if like maybe there was just like enough pushback that they were kind of like okay fine like we'll just and and maybe that's maybe that applied to sales i don't have any information on like how it sold but um like i wonder if that was a factor as well I, I, I don't know. Or it's just been like, it's one of those storylines. It's just some of the, some of these, especially the older ones of that time frame. Like, look, how many people have actually read Arkham Asylum? You know, True. how many people have? They, they know the games, but they not a lot of people have not read that graphic novel. Either. There's a lot of those older graphic novels that just have kind of been lost to the sands of time and, and under the weight of stuff like Batman, the Dark Knight Returns or Batman Year One, where these things are so great and people just forget about these other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I'm looking online right now. You can get it digitally, but um, in print, it only lists Barnes and Noble. And then when you click the link to go there, it doesn't have any results. So it's, I mean, yeah. And yeah. then, you know, like you said, you can find it hard. You can find a paperback on, uh, on Amazon for, let's see, 80 bucks or a hardcover one <laughs> used starting at $741, which, Look, man, I liked reading this, but um, not eight hundred dollars worth. <laughs> so um, <laughs> that's, that's that's ridiculous on a whole lot of levels. But if you can, if you get the chance to check out, if you find a way to, I guess digitally, uh, or if you want to spend eight hundred bucks, uh, get yourself a copy of Batman: The Cult, or order the individual issue. Whatever you got to do, um, cannot recommend this one enough. So thank you again, Matt, for for getting me onto this one. Uh, so that we could talk about it on here because this was a great read. I'm glad. I'm glad I could open the door to stuff like this. You, you're going to get more recommendations. May not be Batman, but uh, we're going to have some fun. Have you read Arkham Asylum? It's been a while, but yeah, I've read it. I think I read it after I played the game Arkham Asylum because I think I was looking online to see if it was based on a comic run or not, and it wasn't. But um, yeah, I've read Arkham Asylum. It's great. It's it's fantastic. Yeah. It's so good. Did you ever read the, the last Arkham? I don't think I read the last Arkham. I don't. I read a lot of comics, man. <laughs> That's the first six issues of the uh, what the heck was that? Shadow of the Batman was the, the series that it was the first six issues of Shadow of the Batman, and uh, it's about Batman getting like actually he he kills a cop, and they take him to Arkham Asylum and start like trying to the, the current guy who's the head of Arkham Asylum starts trying to like diagnose him and put him through the paces and try to figure out like get into his head and, and really uh, put him through all that and then 
you find out later that he's actually there to find out what's going on inside Arkham. I I feel like Batman the Animated Series did an episode loosely based on that. That yes. sounds familiar. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Because this this one was uh, Mr. Zaz is the main villain. Okay. So. See, I feel like in the in the animated one was where like I think it was all a thing from uh, um Scarecrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, Dreams in Darkness. It says notes loosely based on Batman: The Last Arkham and of Batman: Shadow of the Bat one through four. Okay, yeah. So cool. Gotcha. All right. Look at that. Look yeah. at that. Look at us learning and connecting things. You got. You got more homework, bro. <laughs> well, I'm going to go do my homework. Matt, Matt's going to go do, I don't know, assign me more homework. And uh, we want to know what you guys think. Have you read Batman the Cult? Is it one that you would want to check out? And if you do check it out, let us know what you think. Hit us up on Twitter. Or you can follow me on Twitter at Mr. Mike Shea. And me at Mr. J Ninja. So uh, go read some comics. Go enjoy some Batman stuff. And we'll see you guys here uh, again at some point. Uh, uh, Same bat time, same bat podcast channel. That is correct. All right. We'll see you guys later. Bye.